Hello and welcome to the Moisture Farm Report, the Star Wars podcast that flies now. We are back to discuss some more wonderful nuggets of knowledge from the Star Wars universe. I am your host, James Matthews, and with me as always is my co-host, Adam Wheeler. How are you doing, Adam? I'm very tired, James. I'm not going to just, <laughs> just put it out there. I'm not going to wait around to be around the bush. Wow. <laughs> Starting this episode off hot. I am exhausted, but I'm here for it and I'm ready to go. Um, however, what, I mean, what do you mean we fly now? We, this is news to me. We fly? I... What do you mean? I should have saved that for when we do, yeah. like, if we went to Anaheim for a Star Wars celebration or something. Oh, that would be like, perfect. oh, we're in the States. <laughs> we I fly thought, now. I just had this sort of image of, like, both of us, like, just hovering above our houses, just with our laptops mm. rested on our, on our <laughs> I don't know, on something, on our laps. And we're just hovering. <laughs> like Ray surrounded by rocks yeah. asking the spirits yeah. of Jedi to be with her. I'm surrounded yeah, but... by whiskey and chocolate at the moment, which is nice, but, like... Yeah, you, my... um... You messaged me the, just earlier and said that you're on you're on the drinks. Is that right, James? How yeah, how I'm hard on... have you gone in for this episode? This is my first of the night. I've not gone in like half a bottle deep, but this is uh, what my drink. He says tonight. that. He says I'm drinking that. a lovely Tamnovelin uh, sherry cask, which is very very nice. Nice space side whiskey. I don't believe you. I reckon the it's on your fifth. You've been going for the whole week. It's my first of the week. <laughs> I I've just got an innocent glass of water next to me. I mean, I have <laughs> have been dealing with alcohol in other contexts today. Um, in my other job, I'm not a bartender. Oh, no. Completely different <laughs> job. Um, but yeah, um, I'm yeah. It's been a it's been an interesting week. I finally, mm-hmm. James, got onto the Bad Batch. Yes, you did. Um, the newest season, of course, not the first season. Yeah. And there has been some enjoyable episodes. I quite enjoyed. Um, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched it. If you haven't, then maybe just Tough don't luck. listen. But it's not really a spoiler. It's just the premise of the episode. But I enjoyed the sort of pod racing aspect <laughs> of... Mm. Uh, was it episode three or episode four? Uh, episode four, I think. Um, it's not It's not pod racing, is it? It's something else. Yeah, riot racing. Yeah, I was looking was forward to you watching that. I was wondering what you were going to think about that. And the, you know, Crosshair, Crosshair's character development's been really, is really interesting mm-hmm. to see. And also the emergence of another certain Commander Cody. <laughs> nice little Kenobi voice there. Very well done. I, I didn't even intentionally want to do that, but I will take it. Um, yeah. You can't help it when you say his name, can you? <laughs> uh, no, you can't. But other things that you can't help doing is also plugging that <laughs> if our listeners want to support the podcast in any way, they can... Head on down to buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farm rep where you can literally donate as little or as much as you want and contribute to our coffee uh, consumption for the week. And by all means, <laughs> we do need it. Very much so. I, I love how that it's settled into the default of you doing that plug because I never remember to do it. <laughs> I feel like, like regardless it was... of who's introducing the episode, we haven't decided a rote or anything. It's just you've settled on doing it because I never remember it. Well, I, I remember the first few times we started doing it and I completely <laughs> forgot. And I, mm. I just, the, the earliest opportunity to get it done, I feel like let's just get it done and just over with because otherwise it's not, never going to happen. So James... Um, mm-hmm. This week, uh, I'm excited because uh, this is one of your hot topics, uh, your passion <laughs> projects that you're bringing to the table, and I'm sort yes. of just embracing it and going into the unknown. Yeah, I am excited to bring this one to the table. It's been one I've been, I think in season two, I thought about doing it and then just kept putting it off. So 
yeah, it's good to finally come around to this topic. Shall we get Shall into we it? Shall we get on into it? Oh, snap. <laughs> snap. Look at us. <laughs> I think we're both enthusiastic to get into it. <laughs> Let's get onto it. So, James. Yes. What are you talking about today? Today, we're going to be discussing the inscrutable, the indomitable, the unflappable shark tea oh get hyped this is <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a jedi you've been you know you've been waiting to talk about this for ages mm. you like since season one this has been an episode idea <laughs> just lurking so here we go yeah i am insanely hyped to talk about shark tea today and i don't quite know why because like when we um when we did that episode on yaddle in season two i think it was I was like, I'm so excited to talk about Yaddle because I love Yaddle. I'm a stand for all things Yaddle. And like when I talked about Kiadi Mundi, you know how much I love Kiadi Mundi. Yes. And Shakti is one of those Jedi who is like, I think I love Shakti because she's part of the Attack of the Clones kind of um, like class of 2002. So I'm just instantly like, I love her because she's part of one of my favorite Star Wars films. But then when I've done some research into her, I've been like, do I love this character or not? I don't know. I find her fascinating. But also there's like, there's some points I'll get to where I'm like, she's not the best Jedi. <laughs> or like, not the best role model, you, perhaps. Well, but... who, you know, it's there's a lot of characters who are maybe like that, but yeah. we are, you know, we stand them still <laughs> nonetheless. And Shark T is one of the, you know, it's the epitome of almost the background Jedi that the Moisture Farm mm. Report always wants to focus on. It's been sort of our core focus uh, yeah. since the beginning. And, uh, you know, um, and, and Shark T is, yeah, I, I mean, I know her in some ways, infamously for, for other reasons and for maybe mm. reasons that you're going to get onto. Um, I don't know. So, Tell me your infamous reasons. Well, well... While I eat some chocolate. Well, um, yeah, well, oh, you put me on the spot now. Shark T is... Uh, <laughs> she's, a, she's a bank robber. She's a, she's a notorious <laughs> felon in the, uh, in the Republic. No. Um, well, I mean, I always knew her as a character that had... Um, she was involved in the trying to rescue the chancellor i guess that's not an infamous mm. reason that is a reason a very important reason she is she went and tried to rescue the chancellor during the battle of coruscant um mm-hmm. in episode three um it was in a deleted scene where anakin and obi-wan find shakti um kidnapped unfortunately by general mm-hmm. grievous um following this failed attempt to rescue the chancellor and um and she's and she's killed general grievous puts a lightsaber right through her abdomen as Anakin and Obi-Wan watch her die. Mm. I'm, so that's what I know. I'm, so, <laughs> I'm sorry, first of all, if you heard a load of noise in the background of that, I dropped my chocolate on the floor. <laughs> because um, because of the shock of <laughs> hearing your favourite background character die exactly. in such a horrific situation. <laughs> exactly. Second of all, I'm glad you started with that because I'm going to tentatively title this episode The Many Deaths of Shakti. Because... <laughs> Straight off the bat, I think she might be the character with the most Star Wars deaths, or the most like depictions of death. And <laughs> right, we'll come we'll come around to that because obviously you know we'll, we won't start with her death; we'll end with her death. Yeah, um, yes. I I we'll mean that, that's quite a that's quite a way to you know title the episode. I'm mm. almost like why her? Why is she so? <laughs> why she got all these deaths? I mean, I suppose I, I she's know. a background character that. You know, you can mm. plug her in. You can put her in this, 
aspect of the Star Wars universe that becomes non-canon and say, oh, we're going to bring her back mm. in another in another series, or we're going to bring her back in a different light mm. and try this with her. Yeah, I've heard people on Twitter saying before, like either someone at Lucasfilm has really got it in for Shakti, or someone at Lucasfilm really loves Shakti that they keep saving her from... Like keep deleting all the scenes where she dies. She's um, like she's like the um <laughs> she she's the Jedi version of Rodians in a way. They, they start exactly. loves killing off Shark T just like they like killing Rodians. Yeah, they're like, should we have an emotional Jedi death? Oh, what about Shark T? Let's put her in there. And then someone's like, no, not Shark T. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, mate. Off you go. Um, wow, James. Um, get, mm-hmm. let, let's go. Tell us all about all these deaths of Shark T. Yes. So, well, before we get on to the deaths, let's start with births because Shark T was a Togruta from the planet Shilly. Which oh, I know. I understand much... that reference. Oh, I understand excellent. that reference. That's what do you understand? That's a Sokotano species. Yes, it is. Yes. So, yeah, if you don't know who Shak T is from the name, you would probably recognise her because she looks like Ahsoka that they've got. They're from the same species, the Togruta, and the Togruta look really really distinctive so they've got like vivid um vivid skin that's like colors of red orange yellow white green i think as well i don't know if you get blue togrutas maybe you get every kind of color of togruta yeah um mm. but they've got mm. this very vivid skin with these like striking white facial markings and there's a couple of things that, that set them apart from humans because they're humanoid but they're mm. not humans mm. and a couple of things the kind of staple for any like sci-fi alien when you want to set it aside from a human is you give them multiple organs. So Togrutas have got multiple stomachs. Great. Okay, so they're like Doctor Who, but with stomachs. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Great. I love any time you've got like a, a humanoid alien and you want to be like, how are they different from humans? You're like, what about giving them, I don't know, like four kidneys or two bladders or something? <laughs> she got um, one stomach for each uh, tentacle that comes down from oh, her head. That's a good idea, yeah. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that's where all the food goes. That's a very long way to travel. Weird. Yeah, you know... Yeah, I'd quite like two stomachs. I could probably fill them up. Oh, certainly um, I could as well. <laughs> but as well as the double stomachs, uh, Togrutas also have incredibly sharp canine teeth, which can often Ooh. look like a snarl when they're smiling because it's like almost fang-like. Ooh. Which I don't I don't think you see that much with Ahsoka. Mm. Maybe it's kind of toned down because she was like the heroine. Maybe. Um, mm, yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, are they hunters? Are they hunters by they, species? Ah, yes. They, okay. Their culture is like very much defined by... By hunting, um, as we see in uh, Tales of the Jedi, the very first episode where Ahsoka's born on her planet, and her mum kind of takes her out on that like rite of passage. Yeah, when she's hunting the, I just can't remember what it was. The big such a, yellow it was cat like thing. a big saber tooth type cat kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it? looked that like was a great Raikou episode. the Pokemon. Yes, um, so a lot of their physiology is kind of based around hunting. So they've got incredibly keen eyesight; like they can see much further than humans can. Yeah. Um, and also, you had just alluded to their horns. Um, their horns are called montrals. Did you know that? I did not know that. No, montrals. Yeah, I didn't know they montrals. were horns. I thought they were just yes. these dangly things that just came oh, down. Oh, yes. Well, they've got like the dangly things are called leku, um, like oh. twi'leks as well. Yes. You know, the head tails that twi'leks have got, they're also called leku. Right. So togrutas have got three dangly bits <laughs> and... <laughs> and two okay. sticky up bits they've got two montral horns and three leku yeah um and the coloring on the leku i think is almost always like they're white with these kind of like very vivid colored stripes and the white kind of disguises them because the, a lot of the grasslands on the planet Shilly have this really long white grass so the horns help them kind of blend in with the grass when they're crouched down and hunting yeah but then these 
these blue stripes that go across the horns, they're almost like a kind of confusion thing or an intimidation thing for predators. Mm. Like, I suppose the horns make them look a lot bigger and a lot scarier. Mm, and mm, then these mm. stripes are almost like... Um, you know how, like, butterflies and moths have these patterns on their wings? Yes. That don't camouflage them, but they make birds go, oh, shouldn't eat that. I I'm was... assuming the stripes are a similar thing. I was going to say that, you know, we almost missed a trick here, in that if mm. you had said that they had four montrails, then that would yes. have been one for every death of Shakti. <laughs> She's going to need a lot more than four montrails for every death. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the montrails as well. Um, as well as like looking intimidating, uh, they have another purpose. And can you guess what that purpose might be? Ooh, um, I'd be surprised if you do. But <laughs> I, 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 I'm literally just uh, you know throwing something to the wall and see if it sticks. Now, mm -hmm. um, are they? Is it like a radar type thing, like sensing Ooh. something? How did you get that? <laughs> did no way. Well, did I honestly? Did I get that? Yeah, they're well, um. Well, isn't that what um, isn't that sort of the job of an ant's antenna? Isn't it? Doesn't an ant's antenna sense motion from Maybe. far off? I think I, I, I don't might know much be about ants. completely wrong about that, but I'm that's sort of where <laughs> I was leaning towards. Anyway, I'm glad to know that I got that. Yeah, you might be completely wrong about ants, but you're completely spot on about Tegrutas. So the horns or the montrals, they're not like just horns. They are actually a hollow sensory organ. Right. Um, on top of their heads. And they allow Togrutas to sense vibrations in the space around them, kind of like echolocation. Yes. And amazingly, the range can be like up to 80 odd feet that they can sense vibrations wow. around them. Is that, yeah. may, maybe that's a, is that, do you think, uh, partly a reason why Ahsoka Tano is just so incredibly agile mm. and why she can dodge and move as quickly and efficiently in battle as she can? I wondered that because um, there's a thing about Shakti in uh, the Attack of the Clones Visual Dictionary that says because of this sensory organ, she's especially good at fighting in crowds because she can sense the, the like minute movements of everybody around her, which I suppose would be amplified by the force as well. And I can kind of see the same thing with Ahsoka. I, when I found this fact out, I was a little bit like, I thought it was a bit of a shame that we never saw this like explored more with Ahsoka in the Clone Wars. Mm. But then there's bits like when... Um, you know, in Tales of the Jedi, when she's training against uh, Rex and Jesse and the other clones. Yes. And then in, like, the Siege of Mandalore, when she's actually fighting them for real. Mm. There are a few moments when she's kind of preparing and she almost, like, hones in on, you know, a clone's finger on the blaster. Yes. And she yes. can sense, like, that one clone, they're going to be the one that yes. shoots first. Yes. But I but I always assume that was just the Force, her mm. feeling that through the Force. But, I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if it is also contributed by her other sensory mm. organs. Yeah, I'd imagine it kind of all works together. Mm. And another thing about the Togrutas, so as well as like hunting being really important to them, they have a strong, their culture has a strong focus on nature and a connection to the environment. Mm. And they, they believe that there's a spiritual connection between themselves and their home planet. So when they're on Chile, most Togrutas don't wear shoes because of this belief that like if their bare feet are disconnected from the ground, yeah. they're disconnected from this this sort of spiritual connection with the world oh, i find really fascinating that is fascinating. they don't seem to do it on other planets it only seems to be on their home world right okay. whether if they're on like i don't know coruscant they're like ooh, dirty i don't want to touch the floor here yeah but yeah. back on my home world i'll walk around barefoot <laughs> i i um but they're hunters and also yeah. so you know they they have to feel the ground below mm. them and 
be at one with nature and not make too yeah. much sound when they're walking as well to not alert That's predators. That's true, yes. It probably would be quieter, wouldn't it? Mm. Than wearing, like, steel toe cap boots. <laughs> yeah, or, Crump like, clown shoes or jingle jangle, yeah. like, bells on them or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. And they, they also have um, a strong, a really strong sense of unity and they live in close-knit tribes. And individualism is actually, like, really unusual among Togrutas. So they have a kind of, like like a really strong kind of collective community and it's rare for one Togruta to kind of stand out that much mm. but at the same time they have this belief that anyone who can't keep up with the tribe for whatever reason should be left behind to fend for themselves right which is really odd they're like we're a close-knit community until one person kind of endangers the rest of the community yeah and then that they're, they're completely fine to just sort of leave them behind <laughs> yeah which it's, it's really cold and callous. <laughs> it is a little but... bit, yeah. Um, it's it's um, it's very much the uh, they they have a similar thing in Rings of Power, where mm. the the ancestors of the hobbits yeah. are part of these caravans that travel across mm. uh, that wherever that is in in um, the geography of Middle Earth, and yeah. they are a big, strong, uh, solid community that looks after each other. But as soon as one of the characters endangers that community, mm. they're gone. And, you know, they don't want anything to know about them because they endanger yeah. the community. Yeah, I can kind of understand where it comes from because I think Shilly's meant to be an extremely dangerous planet uh, with lots of predators and everything. So I can kind of understand that thought of, you know, if somebody's, like, if somebody's wounded and they're not going to get better and they're going to slow the tribe down or... I can understand that feeling of like we can't let everybody be endangered just yes. for the sake of one person. Yeah. But also, it is extremely cold. Yeah. And, um, yeah. A lot of people around the galaxy thought it was barbaric. Yeah. Like there were a lot of um, yeah, kind of a bit of prejudice towards Togrutas because they thought, oh, these are you know barbarians who leave their wounded in the forest to die. Well, perhaps which... they think it's you know it's it's meant to be, or it's yeah. it's a sort of ritual of you know oh well if they are go if they are going to die it's mm. it's nature it's nature fulfilling some sort of purpose or or, yeah. or you know for something happening which was meant to be. Yeah, there seems to be some sort of like acceptance of death. I don't think it's. I don't think they're doing it cruelly to other people. I think no. it is just they accept that... I expect the person... I don't know. I expect the person being abandoned in the forest is probably less accepting of it at the time. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, well, you'll be okay. It's, you know, it's, it's meant to be. You know, it was written in the stars. And he's like, I don't care. I, want, <laughs> I, I only want... stubbed my toe. I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be fine. Look, yeah. I Yeah, I, look, it's getting better. No, stay behind you. Look, I can show it to you. It's on its Still it's looks on the a bit bend. purple to me. Bye. <laughs> Oh dear, poor Togrutas. I know. <laughs> yeah. It makes me sad. Yeah. But among Togrutas, I, I know I just said like they're not big on individualism. They like to be close-knit communities. Shakti was unusual among Togrutas because she was very individualistic. Um, and this is something that carried on into adulthood as well, mm -hmm. which I will come back to. It'll become relevant later, so pop a pin in that. Okay. <laughs> so like most Jedi... Shakti was uh, identified as a Force-sensitive child early on and brought to Coruscant. Mm. And we don't really know much about her, like, training as a Jedi. We don't know who trained her, like, who her Jedi Master was. Mm. We don't know how she became to be a Jedi Knight. Um, but she did, what we do know is that she did have a reputation for being humble, wise, patient, and reflective. Okay. And she preferred diplomacy over combat. 
Okay. But when she did fight, she was highly skilled with a lightsaber. Mm. And because of this whole like extrasensory perception, um, she was known for her grace and her accuracy in combat. And right. she could use like objects in the environment around her while she was fighting someone to distract them. Like kind of by levitating things and mm, mm, um, mm, mm. wow, that's yeah. that that's an awesome a tactic, and I, yeah. I love it when that happens. Like when Obi Wan does that to Darth Vader in the Kenobi mm. series, where he'll be fighting with him, and then he'll use a rock to sort of like yeah. rip his feet from underneath him mid fight. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of what Vader did with Luke as well on um, on Cloud City, when like Vader's fighting him, but also causing all these crates to fly around. Yes, like I think it takes a lot of concentration, but yes. She's yeah. quite good at that. Yeah, it's always um, it's it's, um, it's ultimate. Um, oh, what what's the word? Um, showing off, really, isn't it? Yes, yeah. you know, it's, it's it's maximum flex. Yeah, like I'm good with a sword and I can chuck rocks at you. Yeah, I can. Yeah, get you who can do. <laughs> what get, else you got? <laughs> get you someone who can do both. So what? Yeah, we don't know much about how Shakti actually progressed through Jedi training, but eventually she became a Jedi Knight and then a Jedi Master. And she joined the Jedi Council sometime between the Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, taking the seat of our good old friend Yaddle, who, of course, we know now sadly passed away. Wow. So that's quite a seat to take because Yaddle was Mm. incredibly powerful and incredibly well respected. Yeah, I'm kind of curious about this because it's around the era when a lot of Jedi seem to like a lot of Jedi Council seats seem to change. Like we lose Yaddle, we lose Yariel Poof, we lose a couple of others. Mm. And there's sort of a lot of Jedi who take council seats before mm. Attack of the Clones. Mm. And I'm always a bit dubious of like, are they are they kind of the best of the Order? Or is mm. it sort of the best that the Order has at the time? Because sure. they seem to be losing a lot of Jedi. Um, not to throw shade on Shaq T or our good friend Coleman Trabor. But, <laughs> okay. but I, I always wonder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always I've always thought that was part of the deal about the Jedi Order though, like during the Clone Wars. Yeah. Was that they were led by the best they had, but maybe not the best they could have been. Right. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. So while she was a Jedi Master and serving on the council, in Legends, Shakti trained a couple of Padawans. Okay. And we don't know her first Padawan's name. I'm surprised at the lack of knowledge there is from Legends. I thought there'd be like her entire backstory here, but yeah. apparently not. Okay. All we know is that this first Padawan was male. Okay. I think he's literally called the unidentified male Padawan on Wikipedia. <laughs> Very strange. Incredible yeah. amount of content there to be created in yeah. a future series. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a whole comic series for the unidentified male Padawan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So remember what I just said a couple of minutes ago about how Shakti has this like, you know, incredible kind of almost religious belief in in connecting to her home world and the living environment, but also this individual streak. That sets her apart. Yes, um, it's it's. I mean, it makes sense though, doesn't it? Especially when you've grown mm. up in a society where everyone is a community based and looking out for each mm. other. It's the it's very much the Ahsoka Tano thing, isn't it? Of you know, just yeah. all the Anakin thing of just being like, no, I want to be out on my own and be my own person. Mm. Yeah, you make it sound like an admirable trait, but sadly for Shakti, it doesn't really work out very well. Oh no, because uh, is this yeah. is this well... one of her deaths? Is it resolved <laughs> Actually, no, from this? Not for Shakti, but for for the people around her, because. <gasps> When she's given this first Padawan to train, she she decides that she doesn't want to take the Padawan out on missions in the galaxy like most Jedi Masters do with their okay. apprentices. And she decides instead that she's going to take him back to her homeworld on Shili and train him exclusively there. And I'm kind of reading... Yeah, I'm kind of reading between the lines on what is said on Wikipedia, but I think her reasoning is 
she believes that like when Jedi go out into the galaxy, they're kind of tainted by this like you know serving bureaucrats and politicians and getting involved in petty squabbles. Yes, and yes. yeah, they learn about politics and lightsaber combat, but they're not getting like that connection to the living force that is. Yes, she's very much. I think she I very that. much believes in like that being the purpose of the Jedi of their connection to the Force. Yeah, but sadly, this kind of backfires almost immediately because she takes him to his, her planet. She trains him. She knights him. And her apprentice goes off as a Jedi Knight into the galaxy. And I think on his very first mission, he's killed by a gangster because he's oh. just like so unprepared for yeah. the kind of the real world in the galaxy. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. He's probably like naive and just kind of like talk, yeah. said something that you shouldn't to someone and then just yeah. meets his end. Yeah. I imagine kind of like if you had a child who was like exclusively homeschooled like up until kind of 18 and then they went off to university yes like that kind of culture yes. shock but it, with it, lightsabers and blasters yeah that's not great and i suppose shark t would have felt partly responsible for not maybe mm. not training him and preparing him for that yeah and you'd imagine this would be like a learning moment right that you've thought <laughs> you've come along and thought like i've got you know this this great idea for how to train jedi that's completely different to how every other jedi i know works but i'm convinced this is the right way and then your apprentice dies as a result surely you think okay i'm gonna have to rethink my methods here the way you say it makes it sound like she didn't do that <laughs> funny you should say that because the council assigned her another apprentice whose name we do know uh i think she's called Faye sun okay and and the council are a little bit worried they're like should we give shakti another apprentice or not because she didn't mm. do a great job with the first one yeah we'll give her another go and Shakti does exactly the same thing oh, she no. takes Faye sun to a home planet no. trains her up in the woods Makes her a Jedi Knight, yeah. and then Faye Sun on one of her first missions is killed by a gangster. <laughs> no, why, Shakti? Come on, it just I know. Go and go and take your Padawans to Tatooine or something, and you know, yeah. do a bit of oh, I don't know. Just learn, learn the real world. You know, yeah. stop. That's a shame because yeah. now it's not just an, an innocent mistake. That's actually, mm. you know, that's her. That, you know, that really is on her. That's kind of what I meant earlier when I was like, I like Shaq T, but when I did a bit of research, I was like, oh, is she really that good a character? Well, it's it's like, you know, lose the first one, benefit of the doubt. It's, you know, yeah. oh, you know it's, it's sad and sometimes it can happen. But the second mm. time and in the same circumstances, I'm pretty yes. sure the members of the Jedi Council will be looking at Shaq <laughs> T and going, hmm, maybe we shouldn't be giving you a Padawan for a, for a while. Maybe we should uh, take you off the council for a little bit. Maybe you're not as wise as we thought. You now have to take a 10-week crash course in the streets. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she just needed to teach her apprentices some street smarts. Yeah. Like, I don't quite know the circumstances of how they both died, but I can imagine them both, like, walking into a cantina and standing on, like, Bosk's foot or something. Yes. And yes. not realising, like, who Bosk is or something like that. Yeah. And it just ends so badly for them. Oh, no. So, I mean, yeah. that's terrible. And yeah. I... I can imagine that probably doesn't end well in the sense that Shark T probably takes that terribly. I suspect mm. maybe other council members take that as not great, that happening. Well, she's kind of... She does grieve for both of the Padawans. Like, I think that's a fairly normal like encouraged thing for jedi um but i think coming from like the the perspective of, you know the um not detachment of the jedi but like the the sense of letting go combining that with the togruta culture of you know we we leave behind the people who like can't fend for themselves i don't think she was 
cut up by it. Right. She did have a third Padawan, but I forgot to actually look up anything about that Padawan. But I don't think they died. Okay. I don't great. think they died. <laughs> okay. That's um, great to hear. It, although, yeah. although you know, perhaps they did during Order sixty six if they did survive. That I'm. Yeah, I think it was around the time of the Clone Wars, so they may not have made it through the Jedi Purge. <laughs> yeah. Like they may, they might not have got to knighthood to no. get killed by a gangster anyway. Yeah. Um. But in canon, I don't think she has any Padawans. I couldn't find any in the current canon that she has any apprentices. So we just mentioned the Clone Wars. Like, well, obviously she plays a big part in the Clone Wars TV series. Yes. Um, and during the war, she spends most of her time on Kamino overseeing training the clones, which I mm. find kind of interesting that she had this, you know, two big yeah. failures with training Padawans. And they're like, you go and train yeah. the entire army. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe they thought that she would be an expert in somewhat this, you know, this mm. understanding of this, this hive mind of all this community mm. that, you know, she is used to being part of this, this big, this community that's bigger <clears throat> than her and is larger than her. And mm. everyone, you know, knows their roles and, oh, and works for each yeah. other. And maybe there's something similar with sort of clones. like the clone tribe. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Even though she was stationed on Camino though, she did get a lot of action. So obviously there's, there was an arc in the Clone Wars, wasn't there, when Grievous and Ventress attacked Kamino. Yes. Um, and Shakti was there with Obi-Wan and Anakin holding them off. Yeah. There was... I found another comic story, actually, where the Separatists attacked Kamino another time. Right. And Shakti fought them off with some ARC troopers. And I I think, when I was reading this, I think I had that comic as a kid, because I can kind of see panels of it in my mind. Right. But I don't know if I'm just imagining it. Maybe this is why I liked Shakti as a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of filtered through after all these years. Yeah, it's just a, this nostalgic moment, or this nostalgic mm. thing that you used to have. Yeah, yeah. But she also went away from Camino a couple of times. She fought at the Battle of Brental Four. Can't remember what happened there. Um, <laughs> she fought General Grievous on the planet of Hypori, which... You haven't seen, but it's in the 2D animated Clone Wars series yeah. from like 2003 or something. Right. Um, there's this great sequence. I think it's where Grievous is first introduced and he fights people like Shakti and Ki-Adi Mundi and a couple of other Jedi. Wow. Um, and it's it's incredible. Like he holds them all off kind of yeah. with his extra limbs and everything. Yeah. Um, apart from Ki-Adi Mundi, Ki-Adi Mundi bosses it. Nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... That adds more context to the deleted yeah. scene then. In yes, Revenge it does. Yeah, she has quite a few clashes with him, actually. One which is coming up in a minute. Um, so near the end of the war, Shakti ends up back on Coruscant. Um, do you remember the arc with Fives and Tup and the inhibitor chips towards... Is it season six? Yes, yes, yes. When, when Tup goes rogue. Um, yeah. Yeah, Shakti goes back to Coruscant to pursue Fives after he... You know, gets proof of the conspiracy and he goes right. off to Coruscant to tell Rex. Okay, yeah, and, and because she's, you know, <clears throat> in, it's somewhat attached to the clones, that makes mm. sense. Yes, yeah, I think she's one of the advocates, isn't she, for... Um, I remember her clashing with the Kaminoans because they were very much like, oh, this clone's faulty, let's just kill him. Yeah. And Shakti's like, no, let, let's find out what was going on. Like, let's actually treat him medically. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like we should with real people. Yes, yeah, so let's not cast away these, they're not expendable, they're actually, you yeah. know, people. But um, yeah, so near the end of the war, she's back on Coruscant and she's actually on the planet when General Grievous launches his attack and kidnaps Palpatine. And in Legends, in the 2D Clone Wars series, uh, part of the second series is focused on the Battle of Coruscant. Mm. And you see Shakti actually protecting Palpatine. Like she's right. leading the Jedi who are guarding Chancellor Palpatine. Right. And there's a point where I think 
I think Shakti like gets him down a tunnel with some other Jedi and she stays to hold off Grievous's guards. Right. And she fights nine of Grievous's guards at once. Wow. What? Nine of them. No, like well, Obi-Wan and Anakin struggled with one at a time. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, there's a great bit where one of them knocks her lightsaber out of her hand and she just takes like one of the staffs off of the Magna Guards and fights back with that. Wow. And she's she like doesn't give up. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> that's so that's so crazy because yeah, I never you know, I I never saw yeah. any of that and I only just know of this one scene. So Yeah. Yeah, what happens next? Uh well, she fights off the Magna Guards, but Grievous himself turns up. And like by this point, she is just worn and beaten down. Yes. And she tries to fight Grievous because, of course, she does. She's a Jedi. But he defeats her and he takes her lightsaber. And this actually becomes one of the lightsabers he uses in Revenge of the Sith. Yes. But here's where things get a bit messy for Shakti. Right. <laughs> so in, in the animated show, after Grievous beats Shakti, he doesn't kill her, but he also doesn't take her anywhere. He just like, I think he ties her up in this kind of electro cord yeah. for Mace Windu to come across. Um, almost as like a warning, I suppose. Yeah. But then in Revenge of the Sith, like you said, there's a deleted scene where Obi-Wan and Anakin are on Grievous's ship right before they get to Palpatine. Mm. And they're confronted by Grievous and he has Shakti captive and he kills Shakti in front of them. Yes. But that scene was deleted. It's not how she dies. No, it's not, re it's not really considered canon. There's then another deleted scene later in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin goes back to the temple to lead the assault on the Jedi Temple. And this scene shows Anakin himself killing Shakti. Yeah. But that scene has also been deleted, so it's not how she dies, like, canonically. God's sake, can they not but make it... up their minds? <laughs> well, I think they have, because it seems to be the version of a death that Star Wars is sticking with at the moment. Because in, um, in season six, I think it is, of The Clone Wars, when Yoda has his arc where he hears Qui-Gon from beyond the, the grave and goes, like, off finding out about immortality, he has a vision of... Order 66 mm. and seeing like Palpatine killing uh, Mace Windu and everyone. Yeah. And part of this vision is Anakin killing Shakti. Right. And it's kind of a recreation of this deleted scene. So I like they seem to have doubled down on it in Clone Wars. Yeah. It's mentioned in a reference book. I can't remember which one that Shakti was killed by Vader in the temple. Yes. And it's even referenced in the original Lego uh, Star Wars. Oh. So there's a cutscene where when Obi-Wan accesses the security recordings in the temple to find out that Anakin killed everyone, the Jedi that Anakin kills is Shakti, and he like literally kind of cuts off all the parts that like make up a minifigure. Oh, so, like, her arms I think and legs I remember and pop that. Off. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that rings a bell. it's morbidly funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's morbidly hilarious. <laughs> Oh, poor Shakti, but I yeah. like that, how, yeah, they've finally managed to <clears throat> confirm that and make fun of it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, I guess it's a shame that, um, yeah, she <clears throat> met her end by Anakin Skywalker and mm. all the clone troopers who she supposedly was training. Yeah, it is really sad. And that's, that is, what, five depictions of Shakti's death so far. Okay. <laughs> Any <laughs> <There's>... more? <clears throat> There's another one in canon in the Darth Vader comics. Okay. Um, he he's on his in his fortress in Mustafar, and he has a vision from the Force where he's confronted by all of these Jedi Masters that he's killed in the past, um, including or like not that he's killed personally, but all the ones that are dead. Yeah. Including like Plo Koon and Jakasta Nu and Yaddle and Mace Windu. Yeah. And one of them is Shakti, so he kills her again in this vision. Okay. So we're up to six, I think. <laughs> okay. I was gonna. Yeah. Fair enough. And then in back in Legends, um. Shakti wasn't supposed to die at the Jedi Temple. And in fact, she helped several Padawans and younglings escape and went into exile herself on Felucia. 
which if you've played the game The Force Unleashed, you might remember, because Shakti is someone that you hunt down as Starkiller. Oh. And she's actually a boss that you fight in the game. I don't remember that. Is that number one or number oh. two? I think number one. Right, okay. I've not played either game, so I'm not entirely sure. But, sure. But yeah, you fight Shakti as Starkiller, and because she's a boss, obviously you kill her. Yes. So that, I think, is seven <laughs> okay. on-screen deaths so, or depictions of death. so many. I know, right? I even um, I want to give a quick shout-out here because I wasn't sure if um, if there was anything more in the Revenge of the Sith novel- novelization because the like, that's written from earlier versions of the script from Revenge of the Sith. Yes. And so I thought, oh, if there's like these two deleted scenes where Shakti dies, maybe one of them made it into the book. And I, I don't have a copy of the book with me, so I actually put something out on Twitter an hour before we recorded this. Yeah. I was like, can anyone help me? Has anyone got the book to hand? And they can say whether this scene is in there. Yeah. And I just want to say a quick shout out to our friend Nat, first of all, who like immediately replied and said, I don't have the book with me, but like I think I can remember these scenes and gave me like so much information from what they could remember oh, that's brilliant. in the scenes of these books. Thank you, Nat. And then and then like Nat tweeted or quote tweeted our tweet and said, Can anyone else help? And their friend Nora then got in touch and said, oh, I've actually got the ebook here and I've searched for Shakti in the text. And here's the screenshots of all the paragraphs that oh, she appears in. But thank you so much, uh, Nat of Naboo and Tatooine Barnes on Twitter for doing that. Phenomenal. Luckily, there is no Shakti death Brilliant. in the Revenge of the Sith book. <laughs> okay. So we're keeping that at, I think, seven deaths. <laughs> Damn. I, that's, that's ridiculous. And yeah. it's strange. I mean, there are other characters that are, you know, their mm. deaths have been retconned other times. Yeah. Like, for example, if we take the example of Yaddle, Yaddle was mm. died in the in Legends comics, like as you described in your brilliant episode, by <laughs> pre- trying to prevent the like destruction of this planet or all life on this planet mm. and and say, you know, giving up her life. And then we saw that retconned in Tales of the Jedi. Uh, one for legends, one for canon. So there are examples of that, but nothing to the extent of seven different deaths. (laughs) Yeah. I can't think of any other that matches that, to be honest. I mean, Boba... Yeah, Boba Fett was the only one that jumped to mind because he obviously was meant to die in Return of the Jedi when he fell into the Sarlacc. He was brought back in Legends, and then Legends was... um, decanonized so he went back to dying in the sarlacc yeah and then has come back again in <laughs> the mandalorian yeah so i'm like yeah is that yeah I'm, I'm trying to think of other characters who have had like so many alternate deaths yeah. as well i'm 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 assuming that... I'm, I'm assuming that in uh there maybe are various other deaths in maybe the lego mm. games for load of like yeah. characters that we haven't even considered but that's true yes um but yes poor <clears throat> shakti is all i can mm. say and um yeah can we stop killing her please can we just like <laughs> let's stop it right now she's not going to come back yeah. is she suddenly in like in some future episodes <laughs> where she's lived from the order six from order 66 i'm going to see her die an eighth time that would be horrendous well, I, I don't know i wouldn't be surprised because i think i might have said this last week i can't remember but the the trailer for the mandalorian season three you know that scene where there's like a flashback from Grogu's perspective yes. of him being rescued from the temple? Yes. And we see these Jedi protecting him and somebody cutting through a door you with saying, what seems to be a lightsaber. Are you saying that you think that's Shakti that's going to come through and protect Grogu but then get killed by Anakin? I don't know, because a lot of people have said, oh, it must be Vader cutting through the door. But I feel like that's too obvious. And I'm starting to wonder, maybe we'll see Shakti, like... Maybe she's trying to cut through the door to get to the younglings and protect them, not realising there are Jedi already in there. Yeah. 
and maybe we will see either Shakti her death be retcon and she's actually the one who gets Grogu out of the temple. Yes. Or she lets these other Jedi take the younglings yeah. and tries to hold off Vader while they escape. That would be interesting though, wouldn't it? Because Grogu <clears throat> seems to have this affection towards Ahsoka Tano. Mm, so maybe there true, is that, yeah. you know, ah, this this Togruta saved me at the Jedi Temple yeah. and now this one feels I'm, I'm safe with it. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think of that. Because like her her death kind of being confirmed in a reference book is the sort of thing where, like, you can easily retcon that and it doesn't affect much. It's not like you're kind of retconning an entire novel or a Star Wars comic line or something like that. Yes. It's, you know, one line in a in a coffee table book. Yeah, yeah. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if... We all know that Dave Filoni likes bringing back Clone Wars characters. Yes. And Shakti was a big part of the Clone Wars. Yeah. So I'm just saying it's a possibility. Okay. Well, I am uh, very much... Um, excited for that possibility and i think you might have nailed it on the head there with a prediction um because we don't really know any other jedi of that significance who else no. would have you know been you know one of the jedi masters for example that would have been there protecting the younglings mm. and we we know in other iterations she is there so it just it just makes sense it makes so much sense yeah. um i feel like it's either shakti or jacasta new yes and i'm not a... shifting from that yeah <laughs> maybe it's both james maybe it's both well if i was to ask you james which one of your mm -hmm. shakti deaths is your favorite which one? Oh no which is my favorite which death? one is your wow. favorite shakti <laughs> death none of them really <laughs> don't like, sit the... on the fence on this one okay if i've got to go with one i'll go with the lego star wars oh, one because it did make me laugh you, you picked mine that was the one i was gonna <laughs> that was the one i was gonna pick because how can you not with the comedic effect yeah it's great <laughs> yeah it's a good way to make that death hilarious <laughs> so is, i'm just just um trying to go back to that so he slices mm. off like the little lego limbs is that what he yeah. does so he basically yeah. does what obi-wan does to him <laughs> Exactly. Oh, foreshadowing. Well, Maybe that's where go. everyone got the idea. Oh, he saw it and was like, that's a good move. Gosh, so unoriginal. <laughs> <laughs> Anakin did it first. So, Adam, if you could take any Jedi who died in Order 66 and bring them back, even if it's just to elaborate more on the death scene or if it's to like completely wreck on the death. Right. Who would you go with? Ooh, someone to bring some a Jedi to bring them back. Do I can it can it be does it have to be Order 66? Uh no, I'll open the scope to any dead Jedi. Okay. Well, I'm going for the one and only Coleman Trabor. Oh, <laughs> yes. my, my man. No, that's a good shout. Oh, boy. We didn't see <laughs> enough of him. How have we not done an episode on him yet? <laughs> exactly. There's so much opportunity there. But I feel like, I don't know, I don't know that much about him, to be honest. So I just feel like that death's mm. a bit pathetic. And it, there could have been, yeah. I, I feel like there's so much more to him <laughs> that I want to know. So I'm going yeah. for the old guy, Coleman. I've never known whether his death, like, elevates Jango Fett because Jango Fett so easily took out a member of the Jedi Council. Yeah. Or it's just, like, a real mark against Coleman Trabor because he went down so easily. I think it's a mark against Coleman, to be honest. He doesn't yeah. even block any of the... He hardly blocks any of the blaster bolts, and that's surely one of the most easiest things a Jedi can do. He blocks them. He just blocks them with his chest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great, Coleman. Great. Oh, well done. Coleman Trabor, we never knew you. Oh, well, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's see if disney will listen to this and bring back our <laughs> dear boys um 
uh, and girls. Maybe we need, um, yeah, we need Shakti brought back in mm, a different way. For sure. But James, I think maybe mm-hmm. that's. Shall we wrap? Shall we wrap this up? I think we probably should. Great. Well, we want to know what you all think about Shakti and the many, many colossal deaths that she has suffered at the poor hands of all writers <laughs> that have written for Star Wars in across the decades. Let us know your thoughts on social media at Moisture Farm Rep, or you can send us an email at moisturefarmpod at gmail.com. Maybe you have a, uh, a different opinion on which death is your favourite or how mm. she could maybe be brought back in a future episode of maybe The Mandalorian. Who knows? Um, In (laughs) fact, if you have any suggestions about topics, characters, or places in the Star Wars universe that we should discuss, send them our way too. And as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Wheeler underscore Deals. And I'm at James16Matthews. And if you liked this episode, why not subscribe and leave us a review on your platform of choice? And if you want to support the show, you can literally buy us a cup of Java juice at buymeacoffee.com forward slash moisture farmer up thank you for listening to james and i we'll be back next time to discuss more of the incredible universe and i think a planet in the next episode james Mm. that is star wars but until then we will see you next time on the moisture farm report Mm.